All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We're in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. We're here with co-host father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how you doing today? Doing great, and we have Dave Capiano once again joining us on this episode to talk some Bruins hockey. We're going to talk about the uh, depth of the Bruins, uh, how Dave sees it. Uh, might mention the first uh, three or four games here that uh, they've played. Uh, but first, Dave, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. So, Dave, I, we talked off air. I won't be long about this, but one of our recent guests uh, played in Vancouver and Calgary, but also South Dakota in college and had a story about you uh, upsetting the South Dakota coach where the guy uh, sprained his wrist and broke his toe in frustration of his team that couldn't shut down Dave Capiano when he played with the University of Maine. You scored, according to him, like six or eight points, I, I forget. And uh, you just dominated the, uh, the game and uh, the, the coach ended up getting hurt. Do you, do you remember any of it, Dan? I don't really remember the game, but I think it was more like 12 points, Jim. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't remember, but I, it's, it's good to hear. And I'll, I'll definitely take credit for it because back then, you know, um, you know, you, you never liked the opposing coaches or teams. So I guess I could take credit for that. <laughs> All right. We'll take it. All right, Andrew, you want to start off with some brewing stuff with yes, Dave. I'm pretty curious about your opinion on this one. So everybody was pretty shocked. Uh, Jeremy Swayman uh, being named the starting goalie for the first uh, two games of the season over uh, Olmark, who just signed a $20 million contract. What were your thoughts on uh, the young kid beating out the veteran? Well, I, I think as far as the goaltending goes, and I think a lot of different things is that it's early in the year and, and, and having COVID last year, I think it's, it's very difficult for, for guys to get a, a true feeling of, you know, who, who's going to be the number one. So I'm not surprised at how the season started, but, you know, last couple of games, I think Elmock has been in there too. So, um, and I, and I think, you know, it's tough to tell money wise. I mean, 20 million today is, is not a really a lot of money compared to when I played. I mean, it, you know, 20 million today at what four, four and a half, five million a year, whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like the average, the average uh, salary type of type of deal. Right. So, Dave, bring us through a little bit of, of the depth with the forwards. Bruins making some uh, uh, obviously some uh, unrestricted free agents over the summer, like Richie leaving and uh, bringing in uh, Nosek and uh, uh, Felino for sure. But uh, where and Wagner being uh, waived, where do you see the Bruins' depth right now in the forwards? Well, I, I think it's good. Again, I still think it's too early to tell. Just like the goaltending, I think that I think that I kind of feel like Almach might be the goalie this year. He kind of might be that starter if he if he stays healthy. Um, that's kind of my opinion there, from what I've gathered from the, some of the people that I've talked to around the league and, and including my brother who obviously is in Ottawa, but as far as the Bruins forwards goes, I think they've done a nice job putting together, you know, bringing, bringing some guys in. Um, and, and I think they, you know, got some speed guys. Obviously the game is, is more a speed game, but in, in, in tune, the tough part about it is when you get to the playoffs, you need a guy like Richie. So it's a very, 
you know, it's a difficult thing to, to kind of muster up and, and, and make those decisions on. But uh, I watched the game today and, and, and the last game. And obviously I, I think that um, like the, the guys they brought in are, are definitely making a difference and given, and given the added depth that they need. Um, but I, again, it's early in the year, right, Jim? So it, it's definitely tough to tell. Out of all of the forward acquisitions that we had over the offseason for the Bruins, which one do you think has, uh, let's say, the, the biggest potential to, to make the biggest impact for the team, in your opinion? Well, I, I would think that, that Thomas Nosek's probably got the biggest, the biggest upside, probably because of his durabil- the durability and the fact that he can play. You know, he's already jumped, I think, from fourth line to third line to second line. Um, so I, I think that, you know, and, and going from left wing to right wing to being, being the, <clears throat> he's very diverse, uh, diversified player. I think that, that gives, um, him the opportunity to make, make himself, um, give himself a lot of different opportunities with a lot of great players. Dave, you, uh, last time we had talked at the last few times, you were always kind of, um, high on Stanika and, what do you think of him coming to training camp? He's like 20 pounds heavier. Um, he's in gr- great shape. Uh, he seems to be playing well. Uh, what are your thoughts on Stanika and the difference that he's come into camp with? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I watched the game today and obviously I'm still close to his dad who played at Maine and, um, you know, rooting, rooting for the kid to really do well, obviously. And, and I, and I think that, that it's just it's it's a process for him because now he's playing center, which I think is his true position. And I think I said this to you last year. So, you know, moving to center in the National Hockey League, it's it's a it's a tough chore. And especially when you go to wing and, you, and you, it's a whole different seeing the game differently and then you go back to center. I think today he won some key face offs. He did some nice things. I still think he's a little bit on the tentative side. Um, but I think that when I watch him, I almost see a little bit of Bergeron in him. Um, now no way am I comparing him to Bergeron, but I think that he's has the opportunity to learn from the best. And I think with his work ethic, I'm sure that Bergeron sees his work ethic and is, is kind of like, you know, nursing him along. And I kind of see that in his game a little bit when he plays center. Yeah, and staying on, uh, you know, rookie forwards right now, obviously Trent Frederick kind of being dragged through the mud, having a pretty uh, rough uh, preseason, not really producing too much. And uh, But he had a, p- a good past couple of games. He, he didn't do too bad in San Jose uh, today and then uh, had a pretty good assist on the Kuhlman goal uh, the, uh, the previous game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Frederick and obviously him trying to find his game, you know, for a kind of uh, wanting to be a physical player the way he's – you know, his game is, is, uh, do you think it's kind of hard for a young kid like that to try and find his game in an organization like the Bruins? Uh, I feel like they, I mean, obviously they really like him and I think they really need him in the lineup. So I think he's in a pretty good position. And I think he's one of those kids that, you know, from preseason to now, he's probably, you know, playing three steps better than he was a month ago or three weeks ago. So, I think he's going to be fine. I really liked bits and pieces last year that I saw out of him, but uh, I think I think he's going to be fine. I think that he can be that big physical guy that um, 
just continues to improve. Um, kind of baby steps. You know, maybe this year he, he has a decent year. Next year, a, a good year. The following year, maybe it takes to the next level. Something like that with him. But I do see that uh, the upside with him there. And that's sometimes a tough thing with, with these kids that, you know, you know that the potential is there in a year, maybe a half a year, even with a Studnicka. But, you know, you gotta you got to win games too, you know. So, Dave, what about Taylor Hall? This guy kind of has a, a reputation baggage with some uh, sports writers. Um, Andrew and I actually seen him play when he was a rookie in the AHL. He actually played at the uh, Oklahoma City. We, we caught him in a few games when he was in the uh, Edmonton system. But it seems like he's kind of floated around and kind of been like, um, I don't know if, uh, if you want to say an entitled player or uh, he just never seems to find his his groove or the right team, but it seems like with the Bruins, he's happy. He's kind of uh, digging where he's at, digging the culture of the team, and he's starting to produce. I think he's got like two goals and one assist so far. He seems like he's very happy. He seems like he's skating his game. What are your thoughts on Taylor Hall? Well, obviously, one of the you know best skaters, the strongest skaters in the, in the National Hockey League. He reminds me a little bit of of Paul Coffey because even when he's he's coasting, he's he's really at top speed. Um, but I think he's he found a good fit. I think as long as he's still being productive, I think that it's gonna be it's easy to keep him engaged. And I think again with Bergeron and Marshawn and that top line. Um, and the leadership that they have, I think he's in a good spot. And I think that he knows it. I'm sure that he didn't really like the year he had in Buffalo. So I'm sure he's, he's kind of saying that this might be my, my last chance to, to have two or three really good years with a really good team. So I, I like the way he's playing. I, I, I like the fact that they have him on the power play uh, with those guys. I think, you know, a lot of times with Boston, they, you know, they talk about the secondary scoring, which we all talk about, but, it just seems like that top line gets so much ice time, especially on the power plays and penalty kill. Doesn't leave a lot of time for other guys. So, right. it, you know, it's it's something you have to kind of look at where you look at other teams and you got you know five twenty goal scorers or four twenty goal scorers, and you say, well, you know, why can't the Bruins have this? You know, but I think it, a lot has to do with that top line and and you know taking up so much of the quality ice time. Yeah. Dave, let me ask you a question. Put on your uh, pro hat again and you're in the locker room. Um, and I'm not, again, I don't want to accuse uh, Hall of, of being this player. Other people have, but certainly there've been players um, that, uh, that are, that are tough on uh, tough to get along with. Uh, it might be. Um, and they have a tough time. They butt heads with coaches and maybe even some players is that really a thing in the locker room at the NHL? Uh, did you experience any of that? Or is it just everybody shows up, it's, it's, it's a business, and everybody does their job? Or, or is there kind of drama in the locker room? Well, I, I think this, it's a kind of a two-part question. I think when you're losing and you continue to lose, I think there's always can be somewhat problems in the locker room or, you know, somebody's – not happy with something I've never really been part of it. I mean, my, even my first year in Vancouver, where, when I got there, um, they weren't a very good team and, and 
I never, you know, we obviously had a lot of older guys too, but I wasn't, I didn't see it when I was at Maine. I mean, we, we all got along, but you know, there was a case at Maine when, you know, the people had problems, but a lot of the times you just go to them and just, you know, guys would just go and say, listen, can we sit down and talk? So, you know, I think a lot of times that's hashed out with the coaches and the, in the, you know, especially today with the way things are. Um, I, I just, I don't see it. And with, with Taylor Hall, I think he's in a good position. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I haven't heard it. Even with some of the sports writers that I know around here, um, he seems very happy where, where he is right now. Yeah. And uh, Dave, what's your opinion on uh, the new McAvoy extension? Eight years, nine and a half million, um, even has uh, the, the A on his jersey now. What's your opinions on that deal? Do you think it's a good deal? <clears throat> It's a good deal for him, right? Yeah, of course. I'd have to say, yeah. I I think all these guys should like, you know, send a a thank you note to Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. Uh, (laughs) But I think it's a fantastic deal. I mean, how old is he? Is he twenty three? Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, I mean, you got he's in the prime of his life, and and um, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, talking about him being, you know the Norris trophy winner this year. I'm not sure that he, you know, I, I just, I don't know if he's a finisher that a lot like around in the offensive zone that other people are, but I think that, that the Bruins absolutely did the right thing. And I think he's going to be a stud for the next seven, eight, nine years. Now we didn't mention, of course, the uh, perfection line, uh, but, but we certainly should. It seems like they're, they're, uh, they're doing their thing, even though, um, Andrew, you can jump in. I only caught a little bit of today's game, but it seemed like uh, uh, the coach is kind of shuffling around the lines a bit. But, it, you know, Pasta has got two goals, three assists. Marshy, of course, like four goals, three assists. And Bergie's got, you know, a handful of, of assists. So it seems like they're doing their normal production. Dave, what are your thoughts on them? And how do these older guys stay healthy and not get um, hurt because they, like you said, they play a lot of minutes a game. Well, you know, when you look at their minutes, you know, I, I was looking at that the other day and, and it seems like they're right around 16, 17 minutes a game, which I'm not sure if, if that's a lot compared to like, you know, Wayne Gretzky, because <laughs> I think he probably, when he played, it was more like 24 or he'd be pissed off. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, these guys are in just tremendous shape. And, and, I, and I think it's part of it's, you know, kind of like, you know, pot like luck. You just, you know, you, you know, with, with these guys over the years, you know, it's more about, did I, you know, pulling a groin or, you know, uh, some type of muscle that you pulled, or I just think it's, you know, you got to have a little bit of luck in there. And, and I think that, uh, as the year goes on, I think that, um, the coaching staff and they, they monitor all the minutes. So they know what's going on, but uh, I've been real impressed with the way they've, they've come out of the shoot. I think that they look fresh. I think they look a lot better than they did last year at the beginning of the year. I think COVID had a lot to do with that and has a lot to do with it. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, I, I think Bergeron's skating as well as I've seen in the last two years from what I've seen today. So um, and obviously, you know, Marshawn, you know, good, is, you know, he's off to a great start and, 
you know, that line just, they've been together for so long. They know where each other, you know, each other is all the time. And, and I feel like I'm watching a little bit more of the Bruins kind of whole team kind of be a little more free with the puck and make some, make some plays as a whole, like the second line, third line. I think they're trying to be a little more creative too versus being that dump and chase type of thing all the time. So, which I think is a, is a good thing because, you know, the more puck possession you have, I think the better off you are. And not to take any focus away from uh, the quote unquote perfection line or anything, but uh, the dark horse and all this and the underdog that, you know, nobody really talks about too much is uh, Carson Kuhlman, who again, I, you know, it's, it's one of those guys you just don't think about because he's one of those death pieces and you're more focused on uh, those first round prospects are still fighting to get that chance and see if they were worth the first round pick. What are your thoughts on Kuhlman? I mean, he, he's still getting in the fight and he's still here in the lineup and he's still looking pretty good out there. Yeah, he's one, right, that when he's healthy, he's really good. I mean, you know, he, he's been that way for years. Um, so uh, I think that as long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be, he'll be good and he'll help this team. He, he creates speed. He's physical. He plays hard. Uh, and I, and I, like I said, I think as long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be in good shape. Dave, I don't want to mention – didn't uh, single out any player just because I'm sitting on the couch watching while those guys are actually playing the game. But what, what do you do if you're uh, uh, well, if you're a player and also if you're a coach where, you know, you're hot and cold and some players, you know, they're hot when they're hot, but old when they're cold and, and consistency on that as a play and then what do coaches do to help them become more consistent at a pro level well they coach um i mean basically you know sometimes you you know sometimes you're on the bench and there's plenty of times it's happened to me when you're you know you you kind of know that you know you you're not up next and you wait for the tap on the shoulder and i think when you get to that level you know you know when you get the tap you you got to perform and you know, I think that the, the coaches in today's games, they know what to expect out of each guy. They, they, they're not expecting, you know, Coyle to score 30 goals, you know? So it's one of those things you kind of do your job, you know, your job and you know, you're going to go through ups and downs. It's 82 games season, but I think all in all, you've got to do what's best for the team. And, you know, I listened to Marshawn's interview after the game today and, you know, they were talking about his points and he's got this and that. And he said, I'm just, you know, I'm not really happy with the way I've played. I, I think I can be better. And I think that's a mentality that Bruins team and organization has as, you know, it's not about the points, any good team. It's about, you know, wins and losses and, 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 and getting to the Stanley cup. So um, I think that's the important thing when it comes to an organization like Bruins, they expect to get to the, to make a run in the Stanley cup. And I think that they kept this team together this year thinking they could make that run. And what do you think of uh, Jake DeBrus' recent play? I mean, he's really trying to uh, shut the naysayers up and um, try and, you know, get his spot back and permanently and not have to worry about, you know, being healthy scratch in these games. And, you know, he's been playing really well. And, uh, you know, what, what do you think, uh, you know, a player like that, you know, especially a young guy has to go through during that offseason when having to talk with the coach and, and to try and find your game again, quote, unquote, that we hear all the time. I mean, is that pretty difficult for a young players? Is it just, you know, after they, you know, get a big contract, does it kind of take their focus away? What was kind of your experience when you played? 
you, you just want, you know, you want to just, I think you just want to, I mean, it's tough. I mean, when, you know, I mean, I was 20, 21 years old. It's tough when you look back now, you kind of wish you knew what you knew now. Right. But I think someone like him having his father that played in the league, I think he knows that what he needed to work on and what to be more consistent. You know, he needs to be more consistent, needs to move his feet, needs to play, you know, every shift. And I think that that's really, you know, it's, it's really about if you, if you look at the guys in the NHL that have these long careers is the guys that compete at a high level every single night. And of course you're going to have bad shifts and bad games, but the guys that compete every night, every shift are the guys that stay in the league for 10, 11 years and are successful. And I just, I'm not a big fan of how he's been handles that compete level. And I think this year he's been better and hopefully as the year goes on, he's much more consistent. I think, you know, especially, you know, like I said, there's a guy that's not on the power play. He doesn't PK. So it's tough. You're not getting a lot of ice time, but you're, you know, you're being paid a lot of money to do your job when you get out there. So you got to find a way to, to get it done. I'm going to leave this broad uh, and give you room to talk uh, on this one. What about the depth on the, on the, the uh, we've already talked about McAvoy, but we've got a whole slew. How do you feel the Bruins are depth on defense at the start of the season? Yeah, I, you know, I think they're very structured. I, I, I like the way they all played today. I didn't, I really didn't notice anybody today other than, you know, I noticed McAvoy, obviously, I think he's, he's really, you know, playing with freedom. He's, they're letting him play. I think even early last year at times, I know the year before he was young, but I used to say it all the time, let the kid play. Like he wants to go, he wants to jump up there in the play and he's not going to start really finishing those plays until he gets, you know, the experience of, of finishing a play, a two on one or a three on two and, you know, scoring some big goals. And I think as he does that, he's only going to get better. Uh, as far as, you know, as far as the rest of the defense core, I think they all, you know, today I watched the game. They all played solid. They all played well. Um, you know, Derek Fabat played really well today. They, you know, he, I think they're all playing sound. They all played some good minutes. Um, so I, I think that this, that they're so structured that I, I think as a team that I think what they have is, is really, is really in, you know, good shape. Again, you know, we talk about staying healthy, um, but I think the team defense and the team structure overall really helps that defense. Do you think the Bruins are in a better position of being uh, cup contenders this season than they were last season, or do you think they're about the same? What are your opinions? You know, I, I would say they're probably a little bit better only because I think by adding Hula and the other additions that they've added up front, obviously, um, Thomas Nozick. I, I think that, that you know, and with, you know, Studnicka coming up and, and seeing that, I think he can, he can get better. I think Frederick can get better this year. And um, I think DeBrus can be better. And I think Charlie Coyle can be better. So that's, you know, you want all these guys to make that next stride. I think, you know, Charlie Coyle is really the interesting one because, you know, he's the type of guy that can he get you 25, 30 points? Can he be that guy that you count on every night? And, and I don't know that he is, but if he does, yes, the Bruins will be, you know, 
contenders with every one of those guys improving along the way. So the with the new NHL rules, uh, you know, it, it seems like they're calling, uh, you know, it, it's not a good time for the defensemen. They're calling a lot of, you know, clutching grabs. I mean, basically, it, it's it's tough, I think, to clear a guy out in front of the net. Now, when you played, Dave, it was full contact clutch and grab, uh, you know, uh, you know, giving the guy the, the one, two with the, with the wood on the back of the legs. And that was just standard operating procedure. How disciplined do these players today have to be, especially, I think I would imagine the defenseman of clearing that net and not getting a penalty. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I think that the defense today is smart enough. They still clear the front of the net, but they just, they can't do it in the way they did it before. And I, and I think they, yeah, I mean, they're all, you know, they all know going in, um, you know, they come in, the refs come in and, you know, they show them video, what's a penalty, what's not a penalty, you know, that's, that's all discussed. So um, there's really no excuse for them not knowing here. So, Dave, I know we're going to kind of go a little bit off topic here with this next question, but just because the last time I was on the show with you, I had mentioned this. Um, what are your thoughts now that uh, Tampa did, in fact, lose, I, I believe, all of their third line of Blake Coleman, uh, Yanni Gord, and, uh, oh, the other one slipped in my head. Oh, Tyler Johnson. Um, they were obviously, you know, key components of them being back-to-back Cup winners, do you think that without them, they're able to uh, get that three-peat, or do you think without that depth that they're kind of in a worse position than they were? It put me in a tough position early on. I haven't even seen them play yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know that I know they lost all three guys, and I did pick them to win the Cup last year. I hope your father bet them. Um, but uh, the uh, – I think it's three, that's three. It's not just a huge loss in all three guys. It's a huge loss to three guys that a team, you know, was so close to. And I, and I don't know if you've ever heard the story about um, the Celtics back in the day. And, and um, I think it was Red Auerbach said, said to somebody, they, they were interviewing him and they, and they said, why do you guys just keep winning? And he says, because my, our guys love each other. And I, and, I, and I truly believe that that still comes into play. If, if you have a team that's close like that, it's, 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 it, it means a, it's a lot. It means a lot to win it. Um, you sacrifice a lot to, for each other. And, and I think losing those three guys is going to be significant to Tampa. Dave, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to even look at the new uniforms of uh, the Seattle Kraken. I've caught a few of their games. Yeah. What is sort of the uh, what's sort of obviously the disadvantage of being an expansion team is I don't want to say the throwaway, but you know, you, you, you know they're not expected to win a Stanley Cup their first couple of years. If you're on an expansion team, do you think that that team would bond together quicker than any other team just because they're well, I mean, bluntly, they're pissed, you know, they were the kind of throwaways from the other team. Yeah, well, I don't know if the throwaways, Jim. I think it's really hard, you know, that some of them aren't protected. But I think if you're, you know, if you have to protect Kucherov or Gord, like what choice you're going to make, you know? So uh, I, but I do think that, yeah, that probably brings those guys together. And every team 
finds a way to bond. And a lot of that has to do with the coaches, the coaching staff too. Is there a team in your mind right now that, I mean, do you have an early pick for a Stanley cup winner or is it too? too <laughs> I'm already, I'm already asking that question, Dave. Boy, you want to throw down money in Vegas already? <laughs> well, why don't we go to the other Florida team and say Florida will be the top team in that division. I'll give you that. How's that? Yeah. I was going to ask you that later too, if, if Florida Panthers were going to be a pick of yours or not. But again, you know, it, we will discuss this all year, you know, who's going to stay healthy, you know, and, and if, you know, Florida goes down and loses two or three guys, you know, I mean, like Bakoff is such a big, important guy to that team. Like Bergeron is to the Bruins. Yeah. I mean, that is so true. And um, is it, is it difficult, Dave, for a coaching staff to get a team that looks great on paper and then all of a sudden you start having these injuries and you losing the, the, the depth if you don't have it in the, in the farm team? I mean, is it a scramble for coaches to do this for the organization or do they, do they try to have plan B and C or sometimes you're just stuck with a plan B? Well, every organization obviously, you know, tries to draft well, looks at the depth shot, looks at what they have in the, in the minors. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago when my son was playing for Wheeling, I think that Gordy was down there um, with uh, Rust. And there was like two or three kids, four kids and that and couple on his team and other teams he was playing against that, you know, we're all in the East Coast League. All those guys that went from the East Coast League to being stars in the NHL. So, you know, for that, for you to say, like, you draft a guy, he's going to be, you know, you just, you just, it's so hard drafting guys other than obviously, I mean, look at, I mean, look at the Rangers with a couple picks that they have, like, was it Lafreniere, the first overall pick? I mean, you know, they're not knocking the, NHL down by storm, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard, but you do the best you can to have the depth that you have. And like a kid like Stadnicka, who's, you know, got sent down, come back up, you know, you know, won some big faceoffs today, played a good defensive game. Didn't not trying to do too much. Just, just trying to, you know, let the game, see the game in front of them. And I think those are the type of things that, you know, you, so you, your coach can trust, you know, how you're playing in, 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 in big situations. And I think that's what all coaches would look for is, is trust in their players. But obviously when you, you lose a, you know, Bergeron and Coyle go down, you know, how do you replace those two guys? You don't Jim, you know, right. But then again, look at what Pittsburgh's doing out of the gate without Malkin and Crosby. Yep. Absolutely. Are there any uh, underdog teams from last season, like Detroit, Ottawa, uh, you know, Anaheim Ducks? Are there any uh, underdog teams that you think will surprise anybody based on just how their roster is constructed or how well the you know the start of their season's going? Uh, I mean, obviously, from what I watched right now, I mean, you got a lot of you got. I mean, the, the Sabers are playing well. Uh, Detroit's playing well. Um, <sighs> The Devils, I think, can can definitely have a better season. 
Philadelphia can have. I mean, I think that Metropolitan is going to be a hell of a division. Um, and I think that obviously the Atlantic is going to be a hell of a division. I mean, you know, I, I'm, it looks like Toronto's really struggling out of the gate here. Um, so, and I, and I, I watched the Ottawa game yesterday. I think Ottawa, you know, should have beat the Rangers yesterday, but, um, lost a tough one. And I think that the Ottawa, I think will surprise some people if they get goaltending and they can stay somewhat healthy up the middle. They're really banged up up the middle right now. Um, but I think Ottawa definitely will surprise some people. Yeah. Is, is Toronto ever going to turn it around? I mean, I, I would feel bad, but being a Bruins fan, I don't feel that bad for Toronto, but boy, they, they seem to try, but they just can't get it together. But They've had a tough part, but did you, do they look good on paper to you, Dave? Or are they, I mean, it seems like they're trying to find the right sequence of players, but it just hasn't happened. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, obviously you got a, a lot of pressure in Toronto. Um, the, the, it seems to me that they just, they just can't seem to get everything going the right direction at the right time, whether it's goaltending, whether it's the back end, whether it's, you know, Matthews and um, Tavares. And, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know if, if, if that team, you know, the way they have it right now, I mean, obviously I think if they get goaltending, but again, you know, team like that, um, it, it, it depends on the coaching staff. And I think it's up to the coaching staff to, to make some changes and to, um, and to help getting that team going in the right direction. I mean, I think the structure with Toronto is they can't keep the puck out of their own net. Well, that was going to be my question, Dave, because, uh, you know, they already had a coaching change and, you know, you kind of have the same core forward players like uh, uh, Marner, Nylander, Matthews. Seems like even with these superstar names and paying 40 million plus for four forwards, I mean, they're still not able to win important games and still make it past the first round of the playoffs. I mean, at this point today, do you think that it, it would make sense uh, to start maybe trading a Marner and getting some assets blowing off the roster a little bit, maybe another coaching change? I mean, at this point, what do you think that their options truly are? Well, I think it's too early in the season for them to do anything, especially coming after COVID. I think you got to give it at least 15, 18 games before you make any, any decision on, on what you want to do. So um, I think that, you know, if, if things are still struggling after 18, 20 games, I think at that point you, you could make a coaching change because um, I don't think that you're going to be, I don't even know, but a lot of those players are untradeable. They probably have no trade clauses in their, in their contract. True. That's true. Dave, while we're on the topic of, of, of coaches, have you uh, ever been in a situation where you're on a team and there was a coaching change in your pro career? Um, I want to say when I was in Vancouver, I think that McCrimmon got fired in, in um, or Mackle, and Mackle and, and they, and Pat Quinn came down from, from upstairs as the GM to coach us for a certain amount of games. So obviously um, when that does happen, it's, it's, you know, not a lot changes other than the fact that, you know, it's 
Pat Quinn coming down and, you know, you have, you know, you know, for me, it didn't, for me personally, it didn't really make a difference. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, you just give a hundred percent every time you go on the ice for me anyways, but I think, you know, for lineup changes, personnel changers, uh, all those things, you know, do change when a new coach comes in. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, same thing with the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, really, really good team on paper. And, you know, as you keep mentioning, Dave, this is the start of the season. We can't just judge them for the whole season yet. But, uh, I mean, it's really struggling right off the bat. Again, do you think that's probably a coaching issue? I mean, they have a really, really solid team on paper. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, no, they're, they got injuries. I mean, from far as what I know, I think that, that Weber's out, Price is out, and there's somebody else out, right? Three or four guys. I, I you know, I just know that there's, Again, we talk about injuries. They're missing three, three key players, and I think it's the it's showing in the in the leadership of that team. And I think Weber was so good last year, so good. Dave, when what does? Let me ask you this, and just from a fan's perspective, asking a pro. So, besides the who's gonna, uh, what line is gonna be up next? for the next shift, what is the, um, the biggest role of a coach? Is it like a system? And, and if so, what does a system look like in hockey when some of us fans hear about, you know, they're, they're learning a new system, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm also interested, what, what is a major role that the coach plays other than calling who's going to be next? Well, it's just, it's leadership. It's respect, it's leadership. And, um, a lot of the other stuff is done by the assistant coaches. Um, obviously the, this assistant, my brother, Jack is in Ottawa. He handles the defense. Um, their head, the other, the, uh, coach handles the, um, forwards. So, but when it comes to different systems, things change one period to the next. I mean, you might be, it might be a, you know, it might be a one, two, two in the first period, meaning we're going to basically, you know, force one guy, you know, you dump the puck, one guy's going, two guys are kind of, you know, back. And then you got the two, two defensemen back. And then the puck goes to the other side. The, the, the second forward goes, the other two forwards come back. So now you're playing called a trap game versus a, a two, one, two, where you got two guys going hard. So that's, those are things that the coaches all the assistant coaches, but those are all things that are practiced and discussed prior to any game where at that level, Jim, when they make the change, you guys know exactly what, what you're doing. Dave, you've had a lot of, and, and we invite listeners that this might be their first episode listening to go back and, and listen to a few of uh, the first two episodes we've had uh, Dave come on where he talked about his career and where he, he played all the way from high school. So Dave, a lot of great coaches. Can you remember a coach in the locker room uh, in between periods or maybe even before a game that said some things that just turned the game around? Um, 
I mean, my memory is very tough at this point in my life, but I do, you know, I, I think you gather a little bit um, from every one of them. When I was in high school, um, you know, Bill Belial was more of a, a drill sergeant. Um, you know, he just kind of had to come in and, and, and look at guys in high school and, and guys knew that we had to play harder. Um, and there was times where him and his son came in and literally screamed at us where we were below our locker room was below the, the stands. And those days were sold out. And, you know, people after the, after the game would say, what was all the screaming down there? Um, you know, <laughs> so, and then you had, you know, you know, Pat Quinn come down and smash his hand on the ping pong table and break it in three places and didn't say a word and walked out. Um, and then you had, you know, my, you know, Sean Walsh, who I consider one of the greatest coaches that I've had as far as motivating. Uh, he just, he was kind of like, he was kind of like old, he was kind of like old school, but new school where in this day and age today, he probably would have fit in much better compared to old school. He was, he was, it was, he was much different of a motivator. So I think they all had the different, different ways of motivating and communication. But I think, I think today it's, it's, it's not like that. I think today there's with everything that goes on and the way these players are pampered today from when we played, I, I think it's all more communicated today. So if, if, if Dave Capiano was 23 years old today, uh, which coach you think would be a favorite of yours? Would it still be the drill sergeant or would it be a different coach? At, at 23, at 23 playing, you know, after college, I would, I would, I would want to probably a different coach, a communicator, um, a more of a Sean White Walsh type of guy. I know I, okay. I know I probably couldn't play for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, well, Dave, we asked for 30 minutes and we got like uh, 45. So, uh, we won't keep you on anymore, man, but we appreciate you coming on every time that you come on. And uh, you're one of our, uh, uh, every time we have you on, uh, you're one of the top like three in listeners all the time. So I don't know if we got a Berlin University or some Vancouver fans out uh, People like to hear uh, you talk about hockey. So we appreciate you again coming on. Well, I, I appreciate you having me. And, and I look I look forward to this year. And I, I'm kind of hoping and praying that, uh, you know, Ottawa can stay healthy and make a little bit of a run. And, um, you know, I, I always enjoy, you know, and try to get some, 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 some different scoops from my brother, you know, before talking to you guys and, and seeing what, uh, you know, obviously he's inside the trenches every night and those, and, and it's a long season for those guys to long season with COVID again, uh, not as, not as bad as last year, but again, you know, guys are still getting COVID and guys are still, you know, getting sick. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long season, but I look forward to it and hopefully, uh, you know, the Bruins can stay healthy and, and, uh, make a nice run for you guys and, and try to try to get one more Stanley cup before these guys, the key guys here um, retire or move on. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. We'll say goodbye off here, Dave, but uh, 
again, we, we appreciate you having on and hopefully we can get you on again. Uh, you're our savior to kind of help us through, uh, you know, what's going on on there in the ice. We're just fans, but you know, you've played it, you've lived it. So, you know, Oh, anytime, Jim, anytime.